Welcome to the Thin Blue Marriage Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping law enforcement have better and stronger marriages. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremiah Guile, active law enforcement officer and chaplain. Today we're going to have a special guest, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. Colonel Grossman is someone that is very well known to the law enforcement community. He's a retired Army Ranger. He taught at West Point in the fields of killology and an expert in human aggression. Grossman founded the Killology Research Group to give seminars about physical and psychological effects of lethal force for law enforcement officers and soldiers. He's authored or co-authored many different publications. So what does this have to do with marriage? Well, one of the books he co-authored was called Bulletproof Marriage. I got this book and can honestly say it's very well written and a great resource for law enforcement officers. So I reached out to him to be a guest on the podcast. He was gracious enough to agree to an interview and to discuss various tactics that you can use to help your marriage. So, Colonel, how are you? Hey, how are you doing, Chaplain Jay? So good to be on board, brother. And uh, uh, and hello to all your, your audience out there. You know, they're seeking deeper levels of wisdom. And, uh, can, and praise God for you that's providing it to them. I'm honored to be here. Oh, thank you, sir. So... Um, can you tell the listeners about Bulletproof Marriage? Yeah, it's a, it's a book my co-author Adam Davis and I put out a couple of years back. Uh, a wonderful publisher, amazing Christian ministry of Broad Street Publishing. And, uh, and it's a 90-day devotional. The idea is that just sheepdog and spouse, and not just uh, police, but military, first responders, and a lot of civilians are following the sheepdog path there. They're armed, they've got their hearts right, they've got their head right. But the, the missing ingredient in so many ways is the Lord. And, and we put this thing together, that 90-day devotional, 10 minutes a day, sheepdog and spouse. And we thought, will anybody actually do that? Would somebody actually do, you know, 10 minutes a day for 90 days? Well, praise God, yes. Uh, we're, we're just hundreds and hundreds of five-star reviews on Amazon. Uh, I'll tell you a quick little story. I was training a military unit. And one of the first sergeants came up to me. I was kind of, uh, you know, uh, at a table. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an old sergeant, uh, lieutenant colonel, you know. And uh, the first sergeant's still kind of a scary guy, you know. He walks up and he tosses a copy of the book, Bulletproof Marriage, on the table in front of me. He said, sir, I hold you personally responsible for all the arguments my wife and I had over this book. I thought, oh, oh, oh. He said, now I go to Amazon, I buy them five at a time. And I give give a copy to all of my married troops. <laughs> so, That's awesome. It is. It is a great story. It's absolutely true. And and uh, this is this is kind of what the book's about. You know, we we talk and we outline things and we plan and we prepare and we ask those hard questions. And uh, I I think if I could just take one nugget out of the book and kind of move on to a, a broader perspective, it's to absolutely embrace the Lord in your marriage. Uh, God's word says, wherever two or three gathered on my name, there am I in your midst. You know, my wife and I pray every night. We uh, we pray for our family. We pray for each other. We pray for the burdens on our heart. And uh, and, and there's great power in that, you know. And, and we, we ask for more love and we ask for more faith. And, uh, you know, God wants us to ask for more faith. You know, that man came to Jesus to heal his child. And Jesus said, you had no faith that anything's possible. And he said, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Boom, Jesus did what he asked him to do. Uh, I mean, the idea of asking for more faith and, uh, and growing your relationship in the Lord uh, is really critical. And, and one of the key components we put out there 
is uh, uh, you and your spouse are on the same team. You can't score points on your fellow team members. When one of you wins, the other loses. It, 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 you've got to do this, you know, one team, one fight relationship. And, uh, and, and stay focused in that direction is such a critical piece of the equation. So we, we, we talk about uh, praying together every night and the power that comes from that. We talk about, you know, one, one, one team, one fight. Uh, you know, we, we don't win an argument. You know, everybody loses. And, uh, and, you know, it's the two of you, you know, against the world in so many ways with the Lord on your side. And, uh, and, and we could zoom out a little bit on that then. Um, we talk about, you know, the, the challenges, unique challenges law enforcement faces. Uh, and and they're just kind of zooming out. Uh, my book on spiritual combat, also a Christian Book Award uh, finalist, uh, got a whole chapter on sleep. And I'd like to talk about sleep in a bit, but but we say in the book, don't blame God when He doesn't answer your prayers the way you think He you think He should. Uh, There's such a critical concept here. You know, sooner or later, our nation will pass. A hundred years, a thousand years, boom, it's gone uh, over my dead body. Right? Uh, sooner or later, our son will die. But eternity continues. Think about that. Our nation will die. Our son will die. But eternity continues. Infinitely more important, literally infinitely more important than anything else is bringing people to the knowledge of salvation. And God can take what looks like an absolute tragedy in our lives and turn it into something good. And, and what we should pray for is not a few more years on this weary earth, not less suffering. What we should pray for is that our loved ones who come to know the Lord and that the people we work with can come to know the Lord. And, uh, and, and our goal in life, you know, on, on, uh, on spiritual combat, we talk about, you know, we are troops deployed to a combat zone. Uh, this is not our home. We'll be going home someday. But in World War II, when the troops signed on, they signed on for the duration of the war. Many people thought that would be decades. They didn't know, but they said, we're, we're, we're troops in enemy territory for the duration of our lives. And this is not our home. But stay focused on eternity. And, uh, and, and like I said, you, you cops see every bad thing that happens. And, and we can't let that destroy us it should be able to empower us to know how much the world needs what we have to give and to know that all of this will pass in a blink of an eye and what's truly truly important is eternity in heaven so cops see every bad thing that happens and that the key thing is to to hold it up to the lord we may not fully understand but he's got the capacity to turn the darkest darkest hour into something that will bring people to the knowledge of salvation Amen. Death and, suffering, death and suffering mean nothing on this world. We will, we will all die. We will all suffer. Uh, death and suffering in this world truly mean nothing compared to eternity in heaven. So, uh, and and that's kind of one over the one over the world type stuff, but it's it's really true. And one of the things we talk about is, if you lose your temper, you didn't lose it. You gave it away. It's the one thing in the world you can control is yourself. And uh, uh, it's easy to say. It's not so easy to do. As we get older, we get better at it. That's why mostly make better grandparents than we did parents, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, th that idea that, 
that there's only one thing in the universe you can control. It's yourself right now. The past is done. Give it to the Lord. You know, every major armed forces around the planet that is working on resilience. Resilience is, a, you know, resiliency of the people who do not get PTSD. Every one of them uh, says that faith is one of the pillars of resiliency. Absolutely. You've got to have, got to have a higher power to hand things over to. And, uh, and, you know, if your God is only known by a handful of people, then he's not much of a God. You know, if your God just showed up a couple hundred years ago, you know, 700 AD to Muhammad, where was he the rest of the time? He's not much of a God, you know. And if only a minority know God, then he's not much of a God. You know, and our God has been here from the beginning. He's prophesied in the Old Testament what's going to come. Well, we see the revelation of that in the New Testament. Uh, Christianity is the largest religion on the planet. Now, a lot of us, we're not so sure about them other guys over there, but uh, the Lord will sort that on the other end. But he's given blessings and dominion to his people. If there was a God, this is what he would be doing. And, and we need to, to latch on to that. And, and uh, it, there's this desire to find something special. I want, I want to have a, a relationship with a special God because I'm special and, and nobody else uh, can know God except me. Well, you are special. And, and, and an omnipotent God really can have a relationship with you that is absolutely unique to any other relationship on the planet. That, that's what omnipotent means. God can do anything. And he truly, you're not just another, another cog in a machine with God. You are his beloved child. Uh, and we talk about being God's faithful sheepdog. Uh, you know, I know when we get to heaven that uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be embraced as God's beloved child. But it's all I can do right now to think of myself as being God's faithful dog. You know, I, I got a great dog, little chocolate lab, and her specialty is fine chocolate anywhere in the house. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm talking about a four-year-old Hershey's kiss in the corner of the closet, and she'll dig it up and trash everything. <laughs> if I let her off the leash in the yard, she'll run in the neighbor's yard and roll in something stinky, you know. But I love her, and I know this is her nature. <laughs> and, and God sees, sees every bad thing that we do, and God loves us for it. In spite of it, he knows our nature, and he forgives us. And, and and he's paid the price for our sins. He came on earth and he died and he suffered to pay the price for our sins and to give us eternity in heaven. And he loves us. But, you know, my dog only understands a tiny fraction of what I do. The dog can't understand but a half a dozen words. You know, it, most of what I say means nothing to her. When I'm online or when I'm playing a game or when I'm, the dog says, why are you doing that when you could be scratching my dummy? You know, and, and uh, <laughs> it's just a tiny bit of what we do. And that's the way we are with God. Uh, God truly exists outside of time and space. I believe he, he knows everything that's going to happen. We can't even begin to comprehend it. But when we get there, you know, we'll be his job. But right now, I'm just God's faithful dog. And a guy by the name of Will Rogers said one time, he said, you know, if you get to thinking, a person of some importance, try telling another man's dog what to do. You ever done that? You know, the dog looks at you and says, you know, I don't know much. Mm -hmm. I'm just a dog. But I know this. I'm not your dog. And when the evil one, when we give ourselves to the Lord, nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us. A helmet of salvation. Uh, it would curl up inside the helmet of salvation. The world can chew this body up and spit it out. But what's important is eternity afterwards. When we give ourselves to the Lord, uh, you know, the evil one comes to you and you look in the eye and say, hey, I'm not your dog. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> uh, that's kind of the, the big picture. And 
Well, what I'd like to do is zoom in on maybe one of the greatest challenges in law enforcement after that, that spiritual battle, good versus evil, and, and seeing terrible things that happen every day and, and not being able to do anything about it. But you can do something about it with the Lord and through the power of prayer. But the other thing that's eating us alive is sleep deprivation and shift work and the things that law enforcement have to have to pass. Is that that's not like something worth addressing? Oh, absolutely. Well, the, the thing to understand then is that we are in the middle of a global epidemic of sleep deprivation. Now, the primary thing that sleep deprivation does is it makes you stupid. It impairs your judgment. After 18 hours without sleep, your impaired judgment equal to 0.08 legally drunk. Across the armed forces, our leaders are saying, don't make any decisions at the end of the day. You're tired, you're exhausted. Your, your, your judgment is impaired. After 18 hours, you, you, you're the equivalent of legally drunk with impaired judgment. After, after 24 hours, you're equivalent to 0.10 blood alcohol above legally drunk. After two nights without sleep, then you are psychotic. Wow. Any graduate of a range school or seer school will tell you about hallucinations on the third day without sleep. And we have people all around us going days without sleep. They work all day, and then they're in school all day, and then they play the new game, and boom, they're up all night. Those games are designed to put us in a flow state. We lose track of time. Suddenly, it's time to go to work, and we've got no idea where the night went. So they get dressed, they go to work, they go to school, then they come home, and boom, they play the game all night again. And now they're on the third day without sleep. And I will tell you from personal experience, on that third day without sleep, you will see things and hear things that are not there. You're flat-out psychotic. And we got those people all around us. Uh, and and I, I, this, this epidemic of sleep deprivation, number one, it is a key factor in suicide. If we gave a dang about suicide, this is where we would begin. One of the best meta studies in suicide says not only is sleep deprivation a key factor in suicide, it's the most remediable factor. If we gave a dang about suicide, if we want to do a thing about it, the place we would begin is sleep. It's something we can fix right stinking now. When somebody's hurting, when somebody's having a problem, one of the best things we can do is give them a good night's sleep. And a lot of people come from a, a tense situation, they can't go to sleep. So very often the doctor will give you just one ambient. There's nothing wrong with one. Get a good night's sleep and you wake up refreshed and ready to go take on the world. But the, the sleep deprivation makes you stupid and the ultimate stupid act is suicide. Uh, you, you have impaired judgment, you make a bad decision, never get a chance to rethink it. Uh, suicide is not a natural act. Every living organism will fight desperately for self-preservation. To intentionally take your own life, you have to have profoundly impaired judgment. Alcohol and suicide have always been related. Alcohol creates impaired judgment, make a bad decision, have a chance to rethink. But the most pervasive form of impaired judgment is sleep deprivation. So sleep deprivation is a key factor in suicide. Most people don't know that. Uh, I've lost two nephews and a brother to suicide. One of my nephews, uh, uh, the new video game came out. He locked himself in his room. It was a, a mature teenager with, uh, with a big pile of sodas and snacks and gonna play the new game. And on the fourth day, he killed himself. No note, no notice, Ooh. no reason. Insane. Wow. We were eaten alive. Why, 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 why do this? Was this some kind of a crazy accident? What could it be? But now 
we look back in retrospect and we see the price that was paid for sleep deprivation. Sleep deprivation is a key factor in traffic deaths. Now, decade after decade, we brought traffic deaths down, airbags, seatbelts, medical tech laws, and now traffic deaths have exploded for the last decade worldwide. What is the new factor? Well, there's a reason why airline pilots and truck drivers are required by law to get enough sleep. If I were king and could pass one law, I would mandate sleep for all first responders, just like pilots. Oh, then, then we wouldn't have enough and we got to work them to death. We got to do maximum overtime. No, no, no. Uh, I, I get on a plane, you know, 200 days a year, and if they don't have a rested pilot, they cancel the flight. I'm good with that. Better no pilot than a tired pilot, right? Better no cop than a tired cop. Absolutely. So we got, we got suicide, and, and touch and base with suicide again. Uh, every nation on the planet, every age group, suicides have, have exploded. Teenagers, 10, 11, 12-year-old teenage girls, suicide rate has tripled per capita in just the last decade. Here's Parenting 101 for the 21st century. When you send your kid to bed at night, take their cell phone away from them. No laptop in the room, no cell phone in the room. They have to go to the room and sleep. A cop came up to me during a break in one of my classes. He said, I had a good girl. He said she was an A student. She said, Dad, it's embarrassing. You don't have to take my cell phone every night. Family policy, cell phone with a charger, go to bed. She said, you don't have to take my cell phone every night. You can trust me. He said, okay, I trust you. Take your cell phone. He said, a little while later, she took her life. He said, my little girl took her life. And he said, we never knew the hell she was living in until we looked at the text messages on her phone. Night after night of ceaseless, relentless, vicious bullying. And he can't just ignore that. We're not wired that way. He said it was heartrending to see her up all night long, night after night, trying to defend herself, trying to find somebody to stand up for. He said, I understood my little girl was bullied to death. What I didn't understand until now, she was sleep deprived, tormented, and bullied to death in front of my eyes, and I let it happen. He said, I can't ignore that text message in the middle of the night. How can we expect our kids to? He said, the one thing on earth I could do for my little girl was take her cell phone every night, let her turn off all the bad stuff in this world and get a good night's sleep. So who's gonna be your mama? Who's gonna make you get that sleep? Suicides and traffic deaths and sleep deprivation is a key factor in the opiate epidemic. Now think about opiates. Prescription opiates have always been there. What is the new factor? Why are they suddenly the drug of choice? Well, sleep deprivation creates chronic pain. Do an online search for Pain and sleep deprivation. Woman will come right. It's a vicious cycle. Uh, uh, sleep deprivation creates chronic pain. The tendons and muscles never a chance to relax. Like I heard all the time, give me a pill to fix you, and then a pill you need more sleep. And he got to knock off the caffeine shortly after lunch. This making you get bad quality sleep. So you you, you don't get deep cycle sleep. You don't, you don't get sleep. You get chronic pain, and that gets in the way of sleep when you do have a chance to sleep. And it's a vicious cycle. The sleep deprivation creates pain. The pain creates sleep deprivation. We spent on this tragic, tragic cycle. And what we really need is a couple of good, solid nights of sleep. And again, there's no harm in some help. A couple of nights, an Ambien, when you're prescribed by your doc, a couple of nights, get a good night's sleep, break that cycle of pain, and start getting consistent sleep. And adults need at least seven hours of sleep at night. You cannot teach your body. Get by on less air, food, and water. You cannot teach your body. Get by 
as an adult on less than seven hours sleep, you are doing actual physical harm to your body with sleep deprivation. So the opiate epidemic, what is the new factor? This, this explosion of sleep deprivation and the chronic pain. Sleep deprivation is also a key factor in heart disease and obesity. The data is overwhelming. Want to lose weight? Get more sleep. And finally, sleep deprivation is a factor in Alzheimer's and dementia. Do not online search. Now, Alzheimer's are the most common form of dementia. Good for dementia and sleep deprivation. Study after study. Major study on sleep on, on, on dementia just a couple of years back said lack of deep cycle sleep is the single greatest predictor of Alzheimer's. So somebody says, well, I'll sleep when I'm dead. We have a decade of Alzheimer's, Percy, idiot. So, so we've got this, this, this global epidemic of sleep deprivation. What's going on? Well, here's kind of the big picture. My dad started smoking in 1941 when he was five years old. He plucked a nickel on the counter, said he couldn't even look over the counter at the local general store. Plucked a nickel on the counter, bought a pack of Bull Durham uh, tobacco and rolling papers and started smoking at five years old. Hey, candy rots your teeth, right? We all know that. Candy rots your teeth, cigarettes are good for you. It's his money, wants to buy cigarettes, no problem. And, and they had ads where, you know, as your dentist, I recommend Salem's. And more doctors smoke camels. Well, doctors smoke camels, dentists smoke Salem's, which is best, they're all poison. Don't do it, it'll kill you. But the tobacco industry didn't care that they were killing my dad. They just wanted to sell their product. So we got the addictive video games. We got binge watching TV shows. The head of Netflix said the number one competitor is not other online providers. Their number one competitor is sleep. The corporate policy of Netflix is to steal your sleep. We got social media. Facebook will never say you've been online for the last 36 hours. You need to get some sleep. The video game will never say you've been playing this game for 48 hours. Time to stop and get some sleep. They will never do that. Netflix will never say you've been binge watching for 48 hours straight. We're going to turn it off now. You've got to get some sleep. They will never do that. Like the tobacco industry selling tobacco. My dad, when he was five years old, they didn't care that they were killing people. They just wanted to sell their product. So this global epidemic of sleep deprivation we got to come out the other end. And, and just one little nugget of sleep hygiene that, that you can apply starting tonight, our bodies are designed to sleep in complete and total darkness. Uh, I'm a huge science geek. My favorite website is sciencedaily.com. Check it every day. It's almost every category. A major study in the sleep lab, uh, totally dark room, bathroom light is on, the door is shut. The light coming under the crack of the bathroom door is enough light to stop your body from producing the melatonin that you need. Now, melatonin is the neurotransmitter that allows us to sleep, and it's created in darkness. You and your children need to sleep in the dark. And, and uh, I do a lot of work with the fire service and our, our, our firefighters. You know, firefighters, uh, uh, they make money in bed, you know. If you're a cop. You can't work 12 hours. You don't get paid to sleep. Only firefighters and prostitutes make money in bed. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, in, in the fire service, they're always in, you know, they're in the bunk room. And it seems like everybody has the guy they call the sleep, uh, the dark Nazi. And the dark Nazi is the guy who's spray paints the window black from the inside. I told him, folks, the dark Nazi is right. You got to sleep in total darkness. The, the research is overwhelming. Now, my wife frowns on spray painting the windows black from the inside. So, well, whatever you do, <laughs> combine, it, combine it with a sleep mask. I, I'm telling you, after 20 years of war, 
when our spec ops guys get a break, you see them all laying there getting a nap with their sleep mask on. The more elite the team, the more they pull out the sleep mask. There is a sleep mask on Amazon that has over 60,000 reviews. That's how intense people feel about that sleep mask and what it's doing for them. Uh, my wife likes one that's got kind of sand weight, creates weight in the eye. I like the one that 60,000 people like. It keeps it off your, off your face. Uh, 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 my, my grandson went off to college. My gift to him was a couple of different kinds of sleep masks. He's heard my class. He's helped me in my class. I talked to my grandson in college. I get enough sleep. Yes, sir. Using your sleep mask. Yes, sir. And he tried a couple of different. He likes the one that's just a big piece of cloth that wraps around the face and Velcro shut from the other side. Uh, people say that sleep mask makes me sweaty. Well, that's funny because it's got to be in the dark and cool. Turn down the thermostat a couple of degrees. Turn on the ceiling fan. Dark and cool. And you will, starting tonight, you get, you may not get one more minute of sleep. You get quality sleep if you do it in a totally dark room. Even the glowing dial of a clock is too much. The docs tell us, turn it away from you. Get online, order a sleep mask, and uh, find out which one works for you. But this, this global epidemic of sleep deprivation, combined with the shift, shift work in law enforcement, is the critical factor. It is destroying us. First, we see evil. We see every bad thing that happens. And we're going to have a force for good on our side. Bad things are happening out there. you got to realize that God has a plan. Just give yourself to the Lord. Uh, curl up in the, the helmet of salvation. But second is that sleep deprivation and eating our cops alive. Uh, it, you know, that, all that extra overtime that they're getting, it just, just don't let that get in the way of your sleep and your full, healthy, healthy marriage. I had a uh, fire chief tell me that he, he'd worked like, a, like a 48 hours straight and then a nap and then another 48, but the emergency's happening. And he finally got to sleep, and the next morning when he woke up, his wife said, we have, she's in tears, we have got to talk about what you said to me last night. He said, I didn't remember it. I didn't remember a bit of it. I was, I was, I was so totally destroyed as a human being through sleep deprivation that I said things to my wife that I would never say. He said, he said, as soon as, you know, she told him what he'd said, he was devastated. He said, I don't even remember doing it. He said, sweetie, I will never become sleep deprived like this again. I will never let this happen again. I love you. I love our marriage. I love our life. And I will never let sleep deprivation be part of my life again. There are people who can do the job when I need to sleep. And I need to count on those people. I need to delegate to them. So this dynamic of sleep deprivation combined with the shift work is destroying us and one of the things that's out there is the idea of 12-hour shifts. They want to be like firefighters, work 12-hour shifts, get all that time off. But again, firefighters get to sleep on the job, right? Well, the research is there. You're not getting 12 hours work. They're exhausted there. And they got commute time, and, and, and you're, you're eating them alive, and they're sleep-deprived. 10-hour shifts are doable. The research is there that 12s are a disaster. California Highway Patrol, 7,000 people switched to 12-hour shifts because the troops demanded it. A year later, they dropped it like a hot rock. Accidents exploded. Internal affairs investigations exploded. Complaints exploded. When they moved to 12-hour shift, you're a little sleepy hollow. You move to 12-hour shifts. You go from one traffic accident a year to two a year. It's hard to make much out of it. In California Highway Patrol, you go from 100 traffic accidents to 200 traffic accidents. It's pretty clear you got a problem here. So, so just, just understand that if we truly love our our our, our our fellow human beings and we love our 
our spouse. We'll, we'll get that sleep and we'll, and we'll hold everything up to the Lord. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point about that that sleep deprivation because, you know, law enforcement has around a 75% divorce rate, which is completely unacceptable. It's way too high. And it kind of brings up the question of how much or what impact or how much of these divorces are occurring because of the effects of sleep deprivation. Yes. Yes. How many of our suicides? How many of our traffic deaths? How many of our opiate overdoses? You know, how much heart disease and obesity all being caused by by this this sleep deprivation. But we don't know that because these industries are invested in just selling their product, like the tobacco industry kind of trying to suppress any information about the harm they were doing. So we've got to turn to the Lord. And, you know, even Jesus needed sleep. We're talking on spiritual combat. You know, Jesus is sleeping as they're going across the sea and the they wake him up, and I got this image of him being kind of groggy. You know, what? What you? What you? What interrupt my sleep for? You know, and he calms the seeds and goes back to sleep. You know, uh, but <clears throat> we need sleep. It's a biological need. It is. It is. Is a. It is a right. An actual critical. Just like you have the right to a, to a, a food, and you have the right for enough air, and you have you have the right for for food and drink and air and water. You have a right to get enough sleep, and you need to do it. But we can kind of kind of capstone all of this with yeah. the, the, the thing that I'm teaching all my classes recently. Why do we keep doing it? Well, law enforcement officers murdered in the line of duty exploded in spite of body armor, in spite of medical technology, in spite of tactics and all the things we do to save lives. Law enforcement uh, uh, officers murdered in the line of duty exploded. Uh, murders. Homicide, the number of dead people underrepresents the problem because medical technology is holding down the murder rate. The number of dead people misrepresents. It's much worse than it looks. But in 2020, we had a 30% increase in homicides. The highest we've ever seen was a 12% increase one year in the 1960s. But comparing to the 1960s completely breaks down because of all the people that are saved by modern technology. We have never seen the kind of explosion of of, of violent crime we saw in 2020. 2021 had stayed the same, it'd be bad, but 2021's up another 4%. Homicides are exploding, law enforcement officers murdered in the line of duty, people condemning and attacking law enforcement. Why do we keep doing what we do? And that brings me back to, to the, the culminating point is uh, it's love. Uh, evil is the absence of love, just as darkness is the absence of light. The opposite of evil, and we fight evil every day, the opposite of evil is love. And we defeat evil with love. And the reason why we hang in there is because we love our family, we love our children, we love our God, we love our way of life. We love our spouse more than life itself. And when you think about it, you know, that uh, uh, if, if, if you had a sick baby, would you abandon your family? A oh, sick baby didn't sign up to that. I'm out of here. No, no, no. You had a sick baby. You'd empty the bank account. You started Kickstarter funded. Maybe you or your spouse would quit their job to stay with them full time. That's what love means. Love means the worse it gets, the harder we fight. I retired from the Army 25 years ago. I'm 66 years old, and I'm on the road over 200 days a year still after 25 years of doing this. Wow. And I pray I can do it for another 20 years. I'm waiting at home for me is my bride, 47 years, my high school sweetheart. 
She was 15, I was 17 when I proposed to her. I tell people we are from Arkansas. Hmm. Two years later, she married a crazy army paratrooper. In this ride with me for 47, this January would be 48 years, a little more than life itself. I get home one, maybe two nights a week, a conjugal visit, clean underwear back in the road. Because you see, we love our children. We love our grandchildren. We love our nation. We love our God. And if we truly love our children, then we will do everything in our power to give them a better world and to fight evil. If we truly love our nation, we'll fight with all our heart and all our might. That's what love means. The worse it gets, the harder we fight. So as we love our spouse, fight for your marriage. As we love our children, fight for your marriage. As we love our God, as we love our nation, get out that door and give 100%. And the worse it gets, the harder we fight. And that's why we should feel coming full cycle back to our spouse. The worse it gets, the harder we fight for our, our relationship. And, and it really does start in so many ways with this bulletproof marriage. Uh, uh, you know, 10 minutes a day, sheepdog and spouse, look at some of the reviews on Amazon, give you a feel for how it's touched lives and impacted people and uh, a simple thing you can pick up and run with right now. Oh, that's, you know, it's interesting. Kind of one of the things that I talk about in my podcast on my first episode is the uh, proper marriage mindset. And it kind of cool. goes along with what you're saying, where it's making your spouse your priority. It becomes your number one team. You look at your yep. marriage, not as two separate operators, but yes. a team. You do everything yes. as a team. And, and you know, we, we, we talk about the bulletproof marriage. What we say, look, eventually your job won't stop. You, you'll retire. Uh, eventually your children will move away. Your spouse is your battle buddy for life. Your spouse should be your number one priority. Uh, your job will end. Other things will end it. And this is the most important thing. This is your battle buddy for life. This is your friend for life. This is this is our most important focus above our job. And, and, and in the military, we, we say the same thing. Your family is more important than the job. You know, just stay focused in peacetime when people aren't dying. Get your priorities straight and, 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 and pace yourself for the long game. Yeah, that, that whole idea that your spouse is more important than your job. That is a revelation to people, and it's true. Your job will end. Your spouse will continue. Mm -hmm. I had a uh, lieutenant years ago, early in my career. He was at another agency, and I was leaving agencies because we had to move across the state, you know, because my wife. Yeah. And the lieutenant told me one time, he says, you know, women will come and go, but you'll always have the job. And, <laughs> you know, what's interesting is uh, 20 years on the job and 16 years later, I've got a different job, but I still got the same wife. Amen. And, and we know that's a lie. Your job will end. You've mm -hmm. earned that retirement. You deserve to have that full, rich life. That about it said, right, your job, he's wrong. You know, <laughs> one woman should stay and your job will end. That's the, that's the truth. It was a flat out lie. We know it. We confront it right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we've stayed together so long is just like you were saying, she became my battle buddy. You know, my wife is not just a person that I'm, you know, married to or the analogy I hear some cops use, which is, you know, dating with financial obligations. You know, she, <laughs> yeah, she really is, you know, uh, we're of one, you know, she is, Amen. you know, my best friend. Amen. She's my wife kind of goes back to the, you know, Bible verse, you know, uh, two become one, you know, talk Amen. about in Genesis. And that's the yes. basis of what we've done and look at everything from a team approach. 
And I've known a lot of cops that they they get this idea of putting you know family or their spouse over the job, especially if they're going through hard times. And they try to it's like they struggle with this concept of putting your your marriage first over the job. Like yes. it's a foreign concept. But when you really it think is. of oh, good. Yeah, it is foreign to them. They've never heard they never thought it. <laughs> That's why this podcast is so important. Your ministry is for them. Praise God. Yeah. And uh, you know, one thing I try to explain to them when they're trying to grasp the concept is think about your squad. You know, when you're there, you've got your people on your squad, you're always there for them, you back them up in a fight, you got their back, they got yours. Well, take that same mindset and put it with your spouse. Yes. yes. So it's really not a foreign concept. It's just, it just needs to be redirected. Um, so, but you know, you bring up another uh, point earlier, you were talking about uh, the role of uh, spirituality with uh, law enforcement. Yes. You know, I, I've looked at countless studies when they get into mental wellness for law enforcement officers, and it's amazing. None of them ever get into spirituality. However, I found one study where they did ask a couple questions about how about the role of faith in their job. And it was, I'm trying to remember the exact number, but it was around, I think it was 84%, I think it was, of the respondents who were law enforcement officers said that their faith plays a major role in how they do their job. And 40, I think it was 42 to give or take in the 40 range said that they got their guidance from a member of the clergy, which that's a very significant number. And what I'm, what I would like to see in the future is more agencies bringing chaplains in as part of their mental wellness program. I've got just a list of things, but I'm teaching law enforcement leaders, you know, chiefs or sheriffs, I got a quick list of things I pull out on things that are absolutely free that can be done to have a major impact. And on top of the list is chaplains. Our little department, my little town, uh, our pastor applied for the chaplain position in the law enforcement that was opened. And, and I wrote a letter of recommendation, but basically three different people from three different churches in our town had applied to be the chaplain. It was just, it was, it was a non-paying job. Mm-hmm. So they accepted all three of them. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah, there you go. And it costs nothing. It costs nothing. And, and, and so you're so right. It's something we do right up front that can help in so many ways. Well, Chaplain, it's been an honor to be on board with you. And, and I, I praise God for your ministry. And uh, I, 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 I thank you for giving me the opportunity to tell people about our books. But most of all, we thank you for, for passing out God's message of love. And when, you know, when we try to look at that the reason behind something will keep coming back to, to love and, and God is love and, uh, and all love flows from him. And he loves us so deeply and so fully. And, and that's the same thing we should try to, to manifest to our spouse and to our family and to a fallen world is, is, is God's love. Yeah. Amen. So, all right, Colonel, well, thank you very much uh, for being on this podcast and, um, for those of you that are listening, um, thank you very much. And, you know, hopefully you'll listen to the rest of the episodes if you haven't already and really take to heart the things that we've talked about, because preserving your marriage is very important. Your spouse is your your greatest partner. Your greatest team is your marriage, and you should treat it as such. So until next time, be safe. Be safe.